We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Emil Franchi with you today. I'm joined by Adam Widrington and we welcome our guest from The Telegraph and the BBC. It's Luke Edwards. He is with us to chat about the current situation at Newcastle United and beyond. That, of course, is one of our favourite topics. And if you want even more of that, we are on Patreon for £6.60 per month, where it's all ad-free, packed with content as well, getting up to maybe about 30 extra podcasts a month, all about Newcastle United as we head towards the end of this amazing end to the season uh, where we are right now. Uh, first off, Luke, um, this must be a great time to cover Newcastle United. How, how does this compare to some of the other highlights that have gone on while while you've been covering Newcastle? Um, I, I, I've done my time, Emil. I, I did the Ashley years um, <laughs> and I've... I, and it was pretty grim. Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't really told this story publicly before, but I, I, it was grim covering the Ashley years. And I think if it had carried on much longer, I think I might have. Had to, I think I might have had to leave, <laughs> to leave Newcastle, just because I was writing the same stories year after year after year, um, the same sentences often. Um, and it was, it I, you know, obviously it wasn't as bad for me as it was for the supporters because it was just my job, but it was pretty awful. So. There's this. There was this. Remember, there was this misconception when I was sort of saying the takeover wouldn't happen. That I was anti-takeover. I was anything but anti-takeover. Not believing something would happen until it did. It's not the same as being anti-takeover. It's been brilliant. Uh, it's so refreshing. Um, match days now are just wonderful. I mean, I'm. I hated football in lockdown. Absolutely despised it. I wasn't allowed to say that publicly, but I detested it. Actually, going to the empty stadium, and this is, I'm not being melodramatic when I say this, it actually made me feel slightly depressed every time I went to the stadium and it was empty and I watched a game of football. So having fans back is one thing, but for the for the stadium and the, and the atmosphere, it, it, it's probably up there as well as I've known it in, in the 20 years I've covered the club. So it's been brilliant, um, really, really enjoyable, really exciting. I'm writing different stories. You, the whole narrative around the football club has changed. Is it the best it's been to answer your question? As I went off on a bit of a tangent. Um, no, I think probably the, the role I, I started. Um, I started at the very tail end of the Bobby Robson era. So I, I was I was did the Champions League nights um, when I was on the Journal, 
and sort of thought this was going to be my job for 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 the next 20 years and then my cashier arrived but um yeah so that 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 was probably better because you know welcoming in barcelona and going to barcelona welcoming barcelona playing juventus into milan those, those nights were 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 pretty special as as i'm sure fans of a certain age who remember them will say but it's certainly the best it's been for a long long time and certainly the best it's been since bobby robson was manager um and it's just a joyful football club again, isn't it? And it's actually Newcastle United at its best. It's it, it's the club that I fell in love with in, in the mid-90s when Kevin Keegan was manager. It's why I've said this before, but it's why I came to university to study in Newcastle was because I had this slight, you know, I loved the, what was happening with the football club and I was football daft at the time. Uh, and Newcastle just seemed this wonderful exotic city even um, for me. Um, so yeah, it, it, it sort of reawakened all of those feelings, and it's it just feels like everything that that we've said about the club that nobody believed us when we said it, we're seeing again now that wonderful passion from the fan base, the noise, the atmosphere, the, the how the whole city pulsates to the football club, and it, it, it's just brilliant. It's really I, I'm 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 thoroughly enjoying it. Yes. And yeah, some of those memories that you've mentioned there, Luke, you know, I am old enough to remember some of my kind of went to my first proper games. It was under the Keegan era um, in the Premier League. I was there in the first division as well, the old first division before. Um, but, you know, the, I was there at Juventus. Like, the, there has been electric nights. And there has mm-hmm. been interspersed electric nights under the Ashley era, but the, few and far between. And honestly, you, but you're right, though, that... that it's it's raucous like it hasn't been in in, in so long. The decibels are it, it 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 sustained noise as well. It's not just a burst at the start. It's people are absolutely loving every minute of watching live football. And you know, as you mentioned about the pandemic, it wasn't didn't feel right. It was empty. It was soulless. And you know, you cannot um, accuse Newcastle United of not having a soul at the minute because it's 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 you know it's tangible. You can feel it in the air. That's what made me laugh when Leicester fans sang, where's your famous atmosphere gone? Because I've, I've sat there asking that question for more than a decade. And then now it's back. <laughs> <laughs> now it's back. They had the cheek to uh, to mention it. So I, I did enjoy my mum's a Leicester fan. Sorry, mum. But I did I, I did I did laugh thinking about, I wonder if you enjoyed the atmosphere. I actually stole that joke off Emil as well, because um, he put it on Twitter first. But I, I, wonder, I wonder what they thought of the famous atmosphere as they headed back down the M1 after Bruno's uh, 95th minute winner. So, um, yeah, no, it's just a ridiculous thing to chant, really. <laughs> I was just infuriating as well, though, g- given the fact that Leicester, uh, as a club, play goal music, that Newcastle fans w- were dancing more to at the away game at the King Power at the end of the game after losing 4-0. We, we were having a better time than Leicester fans in their own stadium, and that, that just annoys me. But I guess, Luke, that, that's a, a good question. You know, what is it about the match day for you now, you know, going there to actually cover games, going into the, the conferences themselves. For me, it, it does almost feel as though it's not just, you know, on the pitch. The, the entire culture, even behind the scenes, seems to have changed. The stuff we see the, the social media team put out, the amount that we're seeing, it's just, even when it was bad, there's just this air of positivity coming across from all staff rather than just the players and Eddie Howe and the fans. It seems to be, you know, passing through the corridors. Yeah, I, I think it became... Not a cliche, it's the wrong word, but we kept saying that all we wanted was was a club with a bit of hope again. Um, and, and and that is that is precisely what we've got times a million. Do you know what I mean? It's it's how do I go to a match day? I go to a match day thinking I'm gonna enjoy it. You know, the atmosphere in the press box is completely different. Everyone's jovial. There's no the, the conversations are more fun, they're more varied for a start. 
the food has improved on a match day. I mean, that's of no interest to fans, but the food we get fed um, is better. I would quite like uh, I would quite like a seat in the Premier in the press box that I don't get wet in when it rains. I mean, that's my only complaint still. And I don't. I also have an electric socket that is hanging loose. The remnant. I like to call that the remnants of the Ashley era. Um, so I hope all that changes. But no, it's just great. And look, I. I I was I, I was football daft as a youngster, and the reason I was football daft as a youngster was the match day experience. That's what I fell in love with. I didn't fall in love. I didn't go to fall in love with football because I wanted to be a journalist. That that came a long time after that. And I always remember, you know, the, the highlight of my week should always be going to a game, and it was when I went to other grounds. Um, but it had become like it had done for the fans, it was exactly the same for the, everyone in the media. It's not just me. I think I'm, I think I'm fair to say I speak to everybody. You went there out of a sense of duty. You didn't go there thinking it was going to be great. Um, and and it, it just everything around it felt flat. So, you know, everything everything has changed. Everything has changed from, from the moment the takeover happened. I think we all were excited about what the future holds. And I don't know what the future holds. I, I, have, my, I have my misgivings. I have some reservations about the ownership. I have... I have my concerns about sports washing, for example, and I will go there for sports washing. We might talk about it a bit more in depth later, but I do have constant concerns about that and what the Saudi Arabian regime is and what it's using Newcastle United to do. But I can also able to worry about that and enjoy watching the football team play. And let's be honest, some of the football hasn't been that great under Eddie Howe, but what we've got is that unity again between football team, football club, and football fans. And so going to the match has become just everything it should be for, for every supporter out there. Um, and it's just that hope of excitement. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm sure there's going to be disappointments along along the way. I'm sure there's going to be setbacks along the way. I don't think they're going to win the Premier League within five years. I think it's ridiculous to have even said that. When you look at Real Madrid versus Manchester City last night and the gulf from where Newcastle are now to there. So I think that was stupid. But we don't know what's going to happen. We knew what was going to happen under Mike Ashley. We knew every season what was going to happen under Mike Ashley. And for now, we have this blank page, it feels like, for me to write into, but also just this wonderful sort of story that is going to unfold over the next few years. So it's just brilliant. It, it really is. I can't. It's, a, it's a question mark, isn't it? And that's that's the, the, the intrigue. That's, that's what draws it in. That's what makes it exciting again. Like you say, you, you used to write the same stories under Ashley every, every week, every month, at mm-hmm. least now. Nobody knows what's going to happen, and 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 that's what's exciting, and that's what that's what draws you in. Yeah, and I I think it's captured the imagination. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't reveal too many trade secrets, but you should see the numbers our Newcastle stuff that's on the Telegraph at the moment. Um, it's huge. I mean, we're talking we're talking comparable levels to Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal. Uh, that that's the level of media interest there is in, in Newcastle at the moment, and it's really it's not just the northeast. And a part of that is to do with sports washing. I know it is. And I know there's a lot of negative negative connotations to do with that. And there's a lot of people who don't like what this is all about. But the interest is huge. Something has stirred since the takeover happened. And it's just great to be great to be sort of on the ground and, and, and part of that. Very special time for us all, I think. And uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it again, Luke. That, that's the main Thank thing. Thank you. I'm glad that you're having a nice experience because <laughs> I feel like, feel like after the time you had on Twitter for, what, the last two years, I think it's deserved. You put the hours in. I put I put some hard graft into the Friends of Steve Bruce fan club. I believe I ran, won an award from, from True Faith. Which, you uh, might I, well didn't, have done. I didn't get a trophy, 
Um, but I did, I did, I've won two awards actually, I believe, which I was, I was sort of quite pleased with. Um, to be honest with you, um, it, it's a relief that, that Steve has, has, has gone. Um, I think we can probably leave it there. I don't want to say too much more about it, but it's a relief for all of us. He's gone. Um, I will still maintain he did a decent job under difficult circumstances, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but let's, 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 let's move on and talk about the future. I am enjoying it again. I don't have to move to Manchester. So that's, that's, that's wonderful. There we are. Well, perfect time for us to take a short break uh, on the free podcast. Uh, of course, if you would like to remove these ads and get them out of your site, you can join us on Patreon. Like I say, have a look. It is ad free and there is so much more stuff there. And we'll be back for part two after these adverts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to part two of the True Faith podcast with our special guest from The Telegraph and the BBC, Luke Edwards, uh, myself, Emil Franchi, Adam Widrington here uh, to talk about Newcastle United and the future. So, Luke, you alluded to it a little bit. You've got your misgivings. You've got your thoughts on what's going to happen. Newcastle, let, let's just say it, they've achieved the impossible from, from where they were when Eddie Howe took over. Um, decent January window now that we've seen the actual... Um, efforts of the players that we've signed are uh, not too shabby are they uh, but, but what is the next step for the club uh, I, I know you've you've got your thoughts on on how summer's going to go uh, but you know how will that window go compared to the struggles that we all saw the owners had you know these people who are new to football uh, other clubs obviously know Newcastle have money um, and a lot already written about just how much Newcastle are able to spend with, within the realms of FFP. And, and I know that you've spoken about that in, in a few of your articles already. So just trying to gauge how you think that the summer, the longer transfer window is going to go. There is there is a slight detachment between the um, the perception that comes with being the richest club in the world, a tag that we've all used, and the reality of, of what this project is about. That they... At the moment, they are not the richest club in the world. 
Um, there's been no new sponsorship deals have come in. If you look at how Manchester City have done it, it is entirely through sponsorship deals for pillowcases to official travel partners to walking, guided walking tour partners. Um, everything you can imagine being sponsored has been sponsored. Well, Newcastle have done none of that yet. So the amount of money that can come in from, from PIF is is restricted by FFP and people have to get their heads around that. Now, I notice other journalists since I did that story back in March have started to talk about the budget being between somewhere between 60 million, 60 million and 80 million. The, all I was told was it was it was less than the 93 million pounds that they spent in January. So I think that's what the, that, that was preparing the ground, I think, from the club. Now, we've all either been the victims of the most elaborate sort of red herring briefing from inside the club ever. Or this is the reality, and I, I think it's the latter. So, I think the spending will be will be limited in that you're not going to spend two hundred million. They're not going to be they're not going to be looking at Paul Pogba on wages of three hundred fifty thousand pounds a week. They wouldn't want Paul Pogba anyway because Eddie Howe places a lot of emphasis on characters and keeping the balance of the dressing room right. So they can still be ambitious. though. this is what you have to realise. Bruno was a, a down payment of somewhere between thirty and thirty five million. So if you have if you have, say, let's say ballpark figure, £75 million to spend, and then you, we all know they've got to sell players as well. They're, they're going to be six players over their 25-man squad when everybody comes back from loan. So you would hope they can raise a minimum of £30 million, shall we say, in the transfer market? Hopefully. It's got I mean, a lot. We've got a lot of dead wood, so it's, a lot of crap. There's a lot of crap. Like that's yeah. going to be the the toughest part of the window is to clear out the dead wood to make space yeah. for any new signings. But presumably, Luke, th- this transfer budget is the transfer budget before sales and before yeah. any yeah, 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 yeah. sponsorship deals that might yeah. be going on in the background now that we aren't privy to. So, Absolutely. whereas it's if it's sort of let's say it's eighty million for, for argument's sake, yeah, um, and we've spent ninety three. Yes, it's less than the actual spend. But if it's 80 million, it feels incredibly likely that we're going to very much surpass that, you know, that 90 odd million. Exactly. Exactly. You can you think sales and you and you and you're already past it. And you get to 120, 110 million pretty easily, I think, with 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 good player sales. The problem they've got with player sales is that um one of the most ridiculous things that happened under Bruce and we won't go into whose decision it was, but it wasn't the managers, was to give um players these huge long contracts yeah on huge money i'm not going to attack these players because they've, they've been good servants for newcastle and they've done the time but the likes of hayden richie even the cells gale they're on money that is too much money for what they are as footballers now so the problem newcastle are going to have is trying to offload the sort of to trim the squad darlow I think there'll be a taker for Darlow somewhere, but there's loads of them. There's, you know, you can go through that squad. Most of the ones who aren't playing under Eddie Howe now, they're going to try and get rid of. Manquillo, players like that, but they're all on huge money. So that is going to be a challenge for them, is how do they... They need to make room in their squad first and foremost, because Eddie Howe's not going to want to have six or seven players who aren't in the first-team squad hanging around, stinking the place out. Um, so then they've got to raise the money to increase the transfer budget. Their wage bill, I think, increased by a conservative estimate somewhere between two hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand pounds a week in, after January. That's a lot of money with no increased revenue stream. So they've got to do some balancing of the books, and people just need to realise that it doesn't make them unambitious, but it's about organic growth. Now, this is this is the core message before the takeover, and it's been the core message when you talk to sensible people. 
behind the scenes about what they want to do next season. So for me, next season, Emil, again, I will come back to your question eventually after going off. <laughs> this is fine. Let, let's hear it all. <laughs> uh, um, is that I think top 10 finish next season. I'll be perfectly happy with that. And some cut runs. I'd love, to, I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love, you know, when we're all talking about something awakening, I'd, I'd love to see Newcastle in a cup semi-final or a cup final, really big, big nights, um, big afternoons whenever the game may be played. Um, so, yeah, I, I think top 10 will be fine. And I think that's sensible. But you, with 120 million, shall we say, if they get that much with player sales, you can buy three Brunos if you're smart. Newcastle haven't spent 30 million. How many often have Newcastle spent 30 million pounds on a player that's done it twice in their history? So people start going, oh, God, it's not ambitious enough. Well, it is if you buy the right players. So let's trust them. The other thing is, you know, there's a lot of um, criticism levelled at Newcastle. Oh, well, it was only the money spent. Uh-huh. Actually, as, as that's been debunked because everyone spends money, what we should be talking about is how actually how well they've spent because everyone spends money. That's not that's that's nothing new. But we have to look at the players that we have brought in who have made a difference. And it's not about oh well you've spent money. It should be about wow you've. You've got the we've brought the right characters in. You've yeah. helped galvanize that team, and even when one of your main players gets injured, you've still sort of grown, gone from strength to strength. You know there needs to be praise for the recruitment in this instance because mm. plenty of Premier League clubs have wasted hundreds of millions, as we've seen over the years. Yeah, and I was very worried going into January. I have to admit that it could be a disaster. So uh, a little bit of insider knowledge here: January was quite close to been a mess it was there was a point midway through the window after they'd bought in Trippier and activated Woods uh release clause um that they were struggling and they were all over the place and they were putting in slightly wild bids for players Botman Carlos um not bad players but there was there was it was wild and it was scattergun and I, I was going oh they're gonna end up wasting a lot of money on someone a bit crap here um, and they're not going to fill all the positions they want to fill. Now, we've praised Eddie Howe for the job he's done in terms of coaching the team. He was de facto sporting director in January, and he rescued that window. So th- th- we shouldn't just be thanking Eddie Howe for what he's done with that team. He took over the transfer strategy effectively, and that led to Dan Byrne coming in, being absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm trying to think, oh, God, who else came? And, and Bruno, of course. Bruno isn't an Eddie Howe signing. I've, Eddie Howe will be the first to say that. That's a Steve Nixon signing that Eddie Howe signed off on. But those two, to get those two players in particular, when the pressure was on, and to get Target on loan, that rescued that window. Because as good as Trippier and Wood were, that wasn't enough. And there was a two. There was a big long period which we forget now, where they didn't sign anyone and they were they were failing. So they did brilliantly. They did really really well in January. And I think we have to give Eddie Howe. We give him all the credit in the world for, for results, but he he really stepped up there. And that's why I'm fairly confident, Emil, it, that this summer, if he's there again, playing that sort of role and calming the owners down and and just focusing on what he wants, the characters he wants, the type of players he wants. I think January will be. There's no reason to believe that January will be any less successful than 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 the summer than January was. The summer should be just as successful as that. In fact, it could be more successful because there's less time constraints, there's less pressure, there's less extortionate fees being being put out there. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm confident. I'm happy. I, I think they'll build. They need to be able to build a better squad. This squad is overperforming at the moment. It really is overperforming results wise. So they do need to strengthen, most notably at centre forward. 
um, and probably a right-sided centre back and a and a and a, and a winger wide forward, I think. But yeah, I, I'm confident that if they've got the same sort of common sense approach and model that they had, maybe one foreign player who hasn't played in the Premier League, but supplement it mainly with players who, who know the Premier League or know English British football. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly, I'm fairly confident, very confident, in fact, that they'll have a much better squad when the, when the window shuts. Yeah, well, look, I, I must ask this. Um, yes. As, as you're, you're smiling as you Twitter. say it. You're very <laughs> happy. There was a team that that were in a bad position, much like Newcastle United. They're playing blue. They're called Leicester. They went on to win the league the season after they oh, pulled off God. a great escape. They had players who weren't what you might say, you know, glamorous players. They've got a lot of lower league players, Wes Morgan and Jamie Vardy. I know Jamie Vardy was a machine in that season, but, you know, the likes of Mares, if we were to say that we've got a... What are uh, you saying, Emil? Spit it out. What do you want to know? Do, well, can Newcastle win the league next season? Not can they win the league, <laughs> but can Newcastle win something as early as next year if this form carries on the way it is because Leicester took everyone by surprise. I know Newcastle certainly are at the moment, but the fact that as it, as we record this, they are in ninth and we don't know what's going to happen in the, the final few games. You know, what's to say that Newcastle can't continue this form? Will the, will the summer disrupt this feeling that's been created? I, I know we've also got the World Cup that could disrupt it, but is it set up next year for Newcastle to really do a, even like a West Ham, you know, like a, like a, yeah. a, an unexpected team next season? If they keep up this current form, then yes, of course they can. They qualify for the Champions League because they're they're currently. I think they've taken the second most points in the in the league this year. So whilst I mocked you on Twitter, Emil, for, for daring to suggest, and you've obviously carried <laughs> this around with you, uh, that Newcastle do a Leicester. Um, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my neck out there and say no. They're not going to win the league next season. There, no. there are two teams called Manchester City and Liverpool who are quite good. Um, can they get into Europe on a with with a with a strong win behind them and everything goes right and yes they carry on this form and there's no sort of dip there's no sort of teams work them out um, then then they could do but we need to be very very careful here and this isn't a criticism that's thrown at Newcastle supporters a lot and I, I defend them um, so please don't let me down <laughs> um, we don't want expectations to soar too much because. We've had this squad has battled relegation before January, before those new signings came in. This squad was heading down. Those signings, plus Eddie Howe, as coaching, has, has changed this season and got them up to ninth. It's absolutely incredible where they are now, but they will have setbacks and everyone's going to have that little bit longer to have a look at them and see how they play. And some players are maybe, you know, not going to have quite the same point to prove or might slip into a comfort zone. So, with everything behind them, yes, they could they could have an unbelievable season and break into for me an unbelievable season next year would be break into the top six. I'm going to say that won't happen, but I I will I will be perfectly happy with with a top ten without even worrying about relegation. Wouldn't that be nice to not yeah. even mention relegation to just mm. bobble around anywhere between sort of I don't know twelve, thirteenth, and and six. That'll do me. That's fine. I'll be absolutely fine with that. And as I say, hopefully have a have a have a long cut run. Um and, and I think we'll just be delighted with that. And then you go again. And then I think they'll spend part of the thing with the FFP that I need to stress is if they spend all their money in, in the summer and spend loads, then that means they can't spend in January. Their their intention is to be active in every window. So they want to spread out the spending so they can take their time, they can look, you know, have another four or five months, look at the team, where do we need to improve? And then you get that gradual, sustainable growth and you do it sensibly. 
Do you think it's going to harm our windows not being able to get Dan Ashworth in in time? Do you think he would have added maybe that bit of credibility that some suggested in January they were lacking? Obviously, they got on great with with, with some clubs, but other people anecdotally it seemed weren't prepared to take them seriously. Um, how do you think that will affect the kind of forthcoming window? Yeah, if you'd have asked me that on December 31st, I'd have said, oh, God. If you'd have asked me that probably in the middle of January, I'd have said, oh, God, they need this sporting director. I mean, that window shut, and I thought, oh, they need, they really need a sporting director. Um, but because of the role that Howe performed and the fact that Nixon obviously isn't as bad a chief scout as we thought he was, bearing in mind he's got Bruno, um, and Joel Linton suddenly turned into an amazing midfielder, not something he spotted in his scouting reports, but... Um, <laughs> I think we're okay. I think we're okay for now. So um, yeah. it's frustrating. I don't think it's completely out of the question that Dan Ashworth will come in before November. I think the clubs are constantly talking. I think it's in Brighton's interest to probably hinder Newcastle in another window. There'll be that sort of slight pettiness. But I, w- I also wouldn't be completely blown over if he if he arrived in sort of, you know, August time. Uh, but I don't think it will hinder them too much. What helps them as well, to go back to Emil's point again, is that if you're a player and an agent now, and you're particularly if you're playing abroad, and you look at Newcastle and you look at the run they've been on since January, you're going to be hell of a lot more likely to say yes, based on how well they've played in the second half of the season. And so that, in that respect, I think it's easier. And also you look at the fact a current Brazil international is signed, a future Brazil international, and Joel Linton is now playing. You know, South American players might be just looking at it going, well, yeah, we'll, we'll go there. And um, I think that will really, really help them because I think Newcastle project upwardly mobile at the moment and that means they should be able to you know for example a James Ward Prowse from Southampton um, and and Ivan and Ivan Tony from Brentford if Tammy Abraham wants to come back from Roma it's suddenly you're suddenly looking at that Newcastle I'm just looking through the eyes of the footballers and their agents and I'm thinking tell you what good move that but it's it's not just that it's it's the fact that Bruno is doing he's he's, he's excelling beyond Mm -hmm. expectation and he's loving it. He smiles. He's sincere. He's yeah. he's happy to say, I've made the right choice. I'm so glad to be here. I want to be a legend here. Obviously saying the right things, but he, you know, there is no regret there. There is no, no regret about that move. He is loving life and he can't wait for the future. And I think that is where you sell it. I think if if someone of his caliber can be convinced and can be sold like that and, achieve, and he's starting to achieve already, then I think that will definitely be a draw. Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. And and to to brought up Bruno. I mean, he he is some footballer, isn't he? I mean, yeah. and again, let's give all the credit to Howe because he handled him brilliantly when he came in. It was like we were all he was under pressure from the media in his press conferences. He was under pressure um, in phone-ins. They do still do phone-ins for that like, <laughs> like show. It's like like showing my age. He was under pressure on social media. Um, you know, he was he was under pressure. Oh, we want to see Bruno, and he just eased him in just gradually. It helped that the team were winning course um let's not forget that but he handled him brilliantly and i i remember when bruno did his first press conference and he said he was doing english lessons every single day it's just something about that level of commitment to learning the language that i thought that bodes well no guarantee of course not but i think that said a lot about his character and i think it also obviously helped him that joel linton's there it's helped him that miguel almiron is there the fact that he's come into what is a fairly alien environment, even with that transition from from Leon or stopover in Leon, um, and he's had that ability to settle in. And he's um, every single club, top club, was looking at him, and everyone was unsure 
whether he could make that step. That's why he didn't go anywhere. He, If you look at him, he's not particularly athletic. He's not blessed with great speed. He's not, he's not, um, he's not an athletic specimen who gets up and down the pitch. And Adam's just tapping on his head there, but he's got it upstairs. Yeah. He's incredibly fit. He'll run. He is, does run. I mean, he blew up in his first few games, remember. Um, he, was, he was taken off. But he's obviously incredibly fit. And I think the one thing that the scouting reports that I've heard said, hmm, he's going to lack the athleticism to play in the Premier League. Well, Newcastle took the gamble, and it's always a gamble. It's always a gamble. Newcastle took the gamble. And, and Steve Nixon's had horrible abuse as well. So let's give him some credit because it's my understanding that he was the one who, who really pushed for Bruno. Well, he got on the plane and went over and, and took the photos and took took the shirt as well. So, yeah, credit to him. And, um, yeah, credit, credit to Eddie Howe uh, as well. I always forget that there was that weird period where we did have Bruno and we were seeing him for, for seconds at a time in the games that we were winning. Like uh, against People were Villa. moaning, Emil. People were yeah, moaning about it. It was mad. It was crazy. But then that that's the hindsight of a Newcastle United fan. It, it is a wonderful thing. And uh, Eddie Howe's made us a bit more patient than, than we, we used to be. Um What's Eddie Howe like it in these conferences, Luke? We we know that there seem to be a lot, like you've mentioned how fun it is to be back at the game, but you know, is there a, a bit of anticipation about about going and listening to him? Is 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 he great to to speak and answer questions? And I mean, what, what's he like when the when the mics go off? What's he like with the the rest of the journalist pack? What 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 can you say about him? Um. He laughs at my jokes, so that okay. that's that's definitely a plus. <laughs> How in my estimations? <laughs> yeah, uh, thinks I'm you know thinks I'm something of a comedy genius. Um, right. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm now he, he's he's actually quite boring, and and I say that in the right. nicest possible way because yeah. in Eddie we trust. I think we can all say that media fans we all trust in what Eddie Howe's doing. He's he's, he's a bit of a geek. He's a football geek. He's a football obsessive. He's not particularly interested in the celebrity side of it. He's not particularly interested in seeing his name plastered all over. I actually also almost get the impression he'd rather not be quoted at all and just get on with doing the job. I think he sees the media as necessary and he's incredibly polite and and very affable, um, but not particularly revealing, doesn't say particularly exciting things. And, and, you know, sometimes that's what you need. And actually a club like Newcastle, Sometimes that is perfect. Sometimes you just need somebody. He's so focused on football and the job that, yeah, I, I, he almost sees the media as, um, yeah, it, it's a, yeah, he almost sees the media as as a, as a necessity rather than something he enjoys. And I, and I have no problem with that whatsoever because he is so um, he is so focused and, yeah, boring in all the right ways is how I would describe it. And um, I've really, I've really liked my, my dealings with him. Uh, I think all the, all the, all the lads and lasses, uh, I said lasses, God, I've been living up here a long time. Um, lads and lasses who cover the club um, are, um, you know, would say exactly the same thing about him, but we don't go there expecting, hey, woohoo, it's be brilliant. It's a press conference with Eddie Howe. It tends to be a bit more like, okay, it's a press conference with Eddie Howe, who's probably not going to say that much, but he's a really nice guy. That's always nice to hear. I get that. I, I get get that. It comes across that that like that feeling that he's not in it for the the glamour. It's just like he's not. He'll sit there at the dinner table and, and not stay for the photos. He'll you know he'll be talking about his his new press. Uh, similar similar to what I guess Benitez did with the old offside thing, where he'd be chatting about it at the dinner table. He reminds me of Guardiola, right? A, a little well, bit in in, in the way he deals with the media. I, oh God, I fucking I've compared Eddie Howe to Pep Guardiola, the greatest managers ever That's been. The clip. There it is. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, 
No, because I, I, I cover Manchester City as well. And he's, he's almost quite similar to Pep in, in that respect. And I think... Like a self-preservation is... sort of, maybe a, a spikiness, a shortness, if he doesn't quite... Yeah, there is a little bit. There is a... There is a yeah, he will shut down what he doesn't want to talk about. Yeah. Okay. But he's probably a little bit more polite than Pep. But there is a, there is a... He will talk about what he wants to talk about and he will not be led off. It's almost like they've got that same ability to, to to spot what's going to happen um in a press conference as much as they can spot what's going to happen in a game so he's um he, yeah he handles the media like that he's sort of hands offish um you know doesn't and but he's um he's very he's yeah he's very good it, it, it seems to me do you know what it seems to me that he prepares for every press conference and the other guy the other guy who was there before him it's a refreshing don't, change luke don't, don't think don't think he did <laughs> and and Luke, do you know if obviously Eddie got the job through his through that kind of diligence and preparation and through, own, yeah. and, and through his own confidence and he went away on sabbatical and was very, very productive with that and learned his trade more. Um do, do you think it's surprised even him what he's been able to achieve this season? And, and kind of what's your take on his his methodology, his his kind of philosophies? Do you you know, do you do you admire it? Do you is it not your? Country? I admire him greatly. I mean, I, I let's. I said this on the radio the other day, but someone asked me, "Did you think Eddie Howe would be this good at Newcastle?" And I was like, "Can't be honest. No, 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 nobody did. Like every manager's a risk. I'm not like the all-seeing oracle. I'm not like, oh, Eddie Howe is going to have them safe by the end of March, and he's going to be amazing, and they're just going to go on this incredible run, and we're going to have the one of the most wonderful times together." Um, <laughs> Uh, in meadows. Yeah. yeah, but no, I didn't see that. I didn't see that, and I, I was—I I liked the appointment. I preferred him to Emre. I'll, I'll be straight up with that straight away. I, I was, yeah, I, I thought he was a better appointment than Emre would have been. I was worried. What I was worried chiefly about was um, could he handle the size of the club? Uh, and Newcastle, having covered them for so long. They're a big club. We all know that. We don't need to talk about how you measure a big club, but it's the level of scrutiny that he was going to get, the pressure, how quickly it could have turned if he suddenly... Well, it didn't turn, but there was always that worry that if he had a sticky patch, which he did, his start wasn't amazing, was it? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was I was slightly worried about that. Um, I think he's done... Uh, what was your question, Adam? Sorry, I've got off on a complete tangent. Do you think Eddie himself... I think he has, yes. Him. Yes, no, sorry. Yes, I think he has. I, I don't think he expected to do this well. I think, he, uh, you know, if you could get him to admit that publicly, I don't know. But he, I don't think he did. I think he thought it was going to go down to the game at Burnley. And I think if you remember back to 1-0 home defeat to Cambridge and then one all draw at home to Watford and failing to beat Norwich at home. So they failed to beat the bottom two teams at home. I think we all thought at that point, ooh, this is going to be nip and tuck. So I think he thought it was a huge, huge challenge. And I don't think he did expect to do this well, this quickly. No. And I think that's why he will be naturally cautious ahead of next season because there will, and fans, he's got enough credit in the bank that we can say in Eddie, we trust. So I just hope, and I'm sure, I'm sure the fans will. I just hope that when there is a sticky run, and there will be one at some point. It's management. It's football. They remember how brilliantly he did, and just just trusting him to get it right because he's he's so meticulous. He works incredibly long hours, um, he, and he's a football geek. And do you know what? I'm fine with that. And, and just as a, a last point, Luke, I know this is something that will be fresh in the memory of everyone on Twitter. Uh, the dressing room photos, something that you said in your article, it, it's something that Eddie Howe has brought from his time at Bournemouth. Yeah, um, and it's great article, by the way. Yeah, thank you, thank you. you can... about it. Very defiant. I love it. Yeah. Uh, what 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 is it, Luke? That you know you, what what 
I guess I guess what caused you to to write what you wrote because it did seem, if you don't mind me saying, it seemed like such a jump from seeing a journalist say something so positive about the owners, like you know, the representation from Saudi Arabia being in the dressing room, team owners, manager, all there. What what was it? Um, it's because I knew that that was the tenth time the team photo had been taken, and it was the first time the owners had been in it, and suddenly it was being turned into this really. There was a negative narrative suddenly coming out that this is what they did all the time. That the owners were like, "Oh, look at us, we're front and center, Saudi Arabia, yay!" Um, and it just. It just hadn't been that, and, it, and you know, if I'm perfectly honest, when I first saw the first one of them, I was like, "Oh God, that's a bit cringe." <laughs> what you said? What are you doing that for? And then it was like, "Oh, I did this at Bournemouth. I don't really care if you did it at Bournemouth, Eddie. It's, you know, you've won one game." And then now I'm like, "Yay! Celebration <laughs> photo!" No, I just got my hackles up because if people were like turning it into something it wasn't. And what I tried to do with that article was, as I will say, I will always be mindful of the sports washing aspect of this project. I'm no huge fan of the Saudi Arabian regime. I'm, I'm, I've, I hope I'm resistant to being sports washed, as I was accused of by numerous people last week after I wrote that article. But I thought it was important to say, no, actually, this is just something Eddie Howe does. And you might think it's weird, and you might think it's a bit odd, as I did initially. You might think it's a bit wrong, like I did initially. But it's bloody worked. It's bloody whatever, whatever, whatever's going on, whatever he's done. The, f- the players seem to love them. The staff seem to love them. The fans now love them. And then you had people who had no idea this had been going on for weeks going, oh, that's sports washing, that is. And then, oh, look at the owners front. Oh, God, this is terrible. This is awful. What's he doing that for? I just wanted to defend what those team photos were about. And then that dragged me into the murky world of being accused of sports washing. And anybody who knows how critical... I was at the takeover and the stuff I've written, the stuff I've said on the radio about, about the ownership and, and the challenges it presents to all of us. And we should always remember that what this is about from a Saudi Arabian perspective. I just, I, I just, something snapped with me and I just thought I, I need to, I need to use my position to defend the pictures, to, to defend Eddie Howe and to defend the supporters and, and, and the football club that, that I cover. And sometimes I do that. Sometimes I criticise the football club I cover and sometimes I criticise the fans. And sometimes, But sometimes I just, at that point, I just thought, no, actually, you've got this all wrong and I need to tell you you've got it wrong. So we beat Liverpool and you will be in the dressing room in that photo, Luke. Is, I've is been invited in. Me and, me, that... and me, me on, Luke, me on... Luke, you'll be teaching them all your dance. Oh, That's yeah, it. I'm glad, glad. Well, this is this is a bit embarrassing. I mean, says the man who posted it on social media. Um, I am led to believe that the dancing video has been shown around the, the training the training ground and that um <laughs> what I, an honor. which I'm not I'm not it's I'm, motivation not, I'm not sure how I feel about it. And Eddie Howe has seen has seen the, the, the said video. So um my spies on the training ground tell me. So I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I certainly can move for a, for a young middle-aged man. I think we can... Teasing we can us all there. Teasing us all there with the moles. The moles yeah. are back. Moles! Oh, back. my God! Oh, smash, no. smash them! Yeah. Quick, quick. He's been found out. It's going to appear from behind Luke on the screen. Um, Luke, <laughs> thank you so much for giving us your time today. Really insightful and uh, really measured, as always, uh, about what the future holds for Newcastle United. Glad you're enjoying it. Uh, me and Adam certainly are. We all are at True Faith as well. And if you like to enjoy all of this positive activity around Newcastle United. Join us on Patreon, £6.60 per month. You'll get up to 30 podcasts every single month as well. And uh, of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and a review. Tell everyone how much you love Luke Edwards, because I'm sure he will be reading those comments. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Goodbye.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.